If someone you love is making you feel bad about yourself, head over to loveandabuse.com, listen to the podcast on emotional abuse and manipulation, and check out the Mean Workbook today. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of the Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On this show, I discuss practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood, your sanity, and your life. We'll talk about why we do the things we do and what we can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. My goal is to help you become empowered so that you can create the life you want. Well, recently I took a long drive from New Hampshire to Georgia. I stayed for a month and then drove back home, just returning a few days ago. Fortunately, I timed my drive so that I'd arrive between snowstorms. On the way home, I stopped at a rest area to take a break. While sitting there in my truck, I saw this older red car pull up. The driver had his head stretched forward nearly over his steering wheel, peering into my truck, staring straight at me. My first thought was to lock my doors. I figured, all right, this guy is about to rob me. So he parked his car a space away from mine, got out, at which time I actually did start my truck getting ready to take off just in case my instincts were right. And as he was walking around the front of my truck, he continued to stare at me. I mean, he was looking right into my eyes. His expression appeared to be one of pain or hope. I'm not sure. As he made his way toward my window, I made the decision to listen to what he had to say instead of pulling out. I figured he didn't appear to have any weapons on him, so maybe he needed help or something. Still skeptical, I was curious enough to roll my window down and listen to what he had to say. Now, thinking back about this particular moment in time, I probably should have driven over to where other people were just in case he had other plans for me. But let me return to the story. I rolled down my window just a little. He walked up to me and then opened his mouth. What came out was a story with so many components that I felt myself getting lost in the details. He said that he just got done talking with the highway patrol and he's having car problems. And then he says he's got his kids with him and one is lying in the back seat as he points to his car. And then he tells me he just needs to make it to the next exit up and he's sorry to bother me, but he's low on gas. He threw in a couple more details, but I realized I was feeling something strange about the situation. I didn't think he was going to attack me or anything, but I've had this feeling before, and you have too. It's that feeling you get when something isn't right about someone's story. The feeling I got was one of suspicion. I really wasn't buying anything he was saying, but at the same time, I had another feeling pop up, and that was my compassion. For a moment, I thought, What if he's telling the truth? These two opposing feelings created a weird sensation inside me where I didn't know what to do. It was at this moment I figured out what was happening. 
I was looking for an escape route. I wanted to escape this uncomfortable feeling and get away from this situation. This guy was standing there telling me a long-winded, multifaceted sob story without stopping, hoping to not only tug at my heartstrings, but also to put me into overload. You see, there's a technique you learn in hypnosis called the confusion technique. It's when you actually confuse someone purposefully so that they cannot possibly or consciously understand what you're saying. Here's an example of a confusion technique. I want you to think of your right hand. As you sit right there, left thinking about your right hand is moving towards your face. The right thoughts you have leaving your hand left on your lap, moving towards your facing ahead while your left hand sits atop your leg and your right. You realize this whole time you're right about what your left hand is doing. (laughs) Okay, come back out of that confusion and into this space. What I said, if you broke it down, does make a little sense, but not enough to comprehend it consciously as I was saying it. It violates the rules of language, causing a trance-like state. That's what confusion is. It's a trance state. And almost no one enjoys being confused because it doesn't feel safe. Confusion typically triggers a mild or sometimes potent fight-or-flight response. And when you are in fight-or-flight, you are either ready to attack, retreat, or simply freeze. That last part, freeze, is that trance state. You can get into that trance state if you don't listen to your inner guidance. That inner guidance is your instinct telling you something is off. That's how I felt that night at the rest stop. Something was off when that guy kept talking and talking. My inner guidance was telling me his story was all BS and I should just drive away. At the same time, my compassion was telling me, you can't abandon this person here. His story could be 100% legitimate and here you are ready to drive away while him and his children need help. I was ready to drive away, but instead... I decided to stop his well-rehearsed pattern of talking without pausing, and I asked him a question. You see, this kind of thing has happened to me at least twice before, where someone walks up to me and attempts to fill my head with a long-winded story with many elements. And if I hadn't studied hypnosis, I would have fallen for what was happening again. He probably didn't even realize how he was getting people to listen to his story. But as soon as I realized what was happening, I spoke up, and interrupted his script. I could tell he'd been practicing what to say because it was simply too contrived, lacking authentic emotion, aside from the fact that he was incongruent, meaning his body language didn't match his story. So today I want to talk about instincts. You have a built-in mechanism that is there to help guide you through situations in life, but sometimes you don't listen to it. Sometimes you listen to another part of you. Maybe your compassion or your deeper fears. Sometimes the path you should take is the one you avoid. Let's talk about that. You have some amazing inner resources. So if you aren't trusting them yet, then this is the episode for you. I 
have my own definition of instinct, and it is this. Your subconscious mind's way of telling you what to do. That's it. Your instinct is really a complex series of thought processes putting the dots together in the background. It's like crossing the street. You take your foot off the curb, step onto the street, but instinctively pull back as a car races by right in front of you, nearly hitting you. Now, evolutionarily speaking, this is a survival mechanism, but this mechanism becomes strengthened and smarter over time because of our personal history. Ever since we learned to avoid danger, we've built our instinctual muscles. We've strengthened and smartened our survival mechanism, and we've gotten pretty darn good at it, too. We develop stronger, more accurate instincts every time we learn something new about a dangerous or potentially dangerous situation. In childhood, I remember learning how to survive in an alcoholic home. This created behaviors in me that strengthened my instincts. I developed a hyper-awareness of people's behavior and was able to enhance that over the years to help me become the teacher I am today. Of course, this hyper-awareness came with a price. I was also fearful. My instincts also kicked in at times that were unnecessary and I became highly judgmental of others. Learning to overcome this took a long process of healing and growing in myself. But I did overcome it. Anytime you've been in danger, perceived or real, and you learned how to escape from that danger, you've strengthened your instincts. You've added patterns to your subconscious mind so that the next time you faced similar circumstances, your instincts, aka those subconscious programs, kicked in and gave you that feeling. You know, that feeling you get inside that tells you something isn't quite right. Now, whether you act on that feeling or not is the big question, though, isn't it? The feeling you get is what determines your next course of action in a situation. Author Malcolm Gladwell talks about that blink moment where you know something instantly. You're not sure how you know, but in a blink, you just know it to be true. Like meeting someone for the first time, you might get a feeling right away that you don't like them. You're not sure why you don't like them, but you know you don't. Our subconscious mind works fast, and it's very difficult to retrace the process of how we know something to be true. When you meet that person and you realize immediately that you don't like them, that's your subconscious mind giving you the answer before you consciously think about it. Does that make sense? Your subconscious mind gives you the answer before you consciously think about the answer. That's the blink moment. That's what you believe to be true at your deepest level. You don't even have to think to know something to be true. You just have to listen inwardly and trust your instincts. Now, not every moment is like that. Sometimes your instincts tell you nothing. That's usually because you have no frame of reference for what's happening. If you've never run into a specific situation before, your instincts haven't been trained to respond to it. It's that hot stove metaphor. If you touch a hot stove, you will instinctually know not to touch a hot stove again, or at least be more aware around them. But if you've never touched a hot stove and didn't understand what excessive heat could do to you, you might not have any instinct to not touch one. In other words, you have no frame of reference when it comes to hot stoves. Just like you may have no frame of reference when somebody does something to you that may not be in your best interest. 
Without ever having experienced something, you may not have instincts that arise to protect you. That's one of the most prevalent reasons for instinct, to protect us in some way. Your instincts exist to protect you in some way. I want you to soak that in because that has to be something you truly absorb if you're going to get anything from today's episode. There's a powerful source of truth inside of you that is giving you vital information to help you thrive and survive. I call this source instinct, but you may have another name for it. It could be your inner voice, your guide or God or whatever you want. The label doesn't matter, but whether you trust it or not does. I've met many people that trust in others more than they trust in themselves. The reason for that is usually because that's what they learned to do as children. As a child, you listen to your caretakers and do what they say. And when you don't do what they say, there's usually some sort of accountability in the form of punishment. You learned to trust what they had to say because many times they were right. Of course, if you were abused as a child or have gone through any traumatic situation, you may have figured out that the adults that brought you up were wrong. You got punished whether you listened to them or not. This sort of upbringing caused you not to trust others and not trust yourself. Children are born trusting themselves because there's no reason not to. In fact, it's not even a question of trust. It's simply a matter of fact. If given a chance, a child will do things that us grown-ups deem life-threatening. This is why we teach our children to do the right thing. Children trust themselves, so they simply act before thinking. Then as they grow older, they start to think before acting. More and more, they develop and strengthen their instinct so that they no longer have to think before getting into a dangerous situation because their instinct helps them avoid the danger. But something happens along the way. The trust in that instinct seems to dissipate over time. The instinct turns on, but it is soon rationalized away and eventually ignored. Rationalization is instinct's downfall. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Let's get into that next. If instinct is your subconscious mind telling you what to do, and it learned what to do because of the results you got every time you faced a similar situation in the past, then it only makes sense that your instinct is only as reliable as your past results, right? Well, I know two people, both women, whose instincts about other people are almost, if not always, right. For some reason, women have more heightened instincts than men. I believe it's because they have to be more aware of danger than men do. Many men don't have to think about danger because they can get out of it if it happens. At least, that's my theory. Women, however, typically feel a tad more vulnerable. If danger comes their way, there's less of a chance that they can easily get out of it. So they develop instincts early on, learning to be more aware of people and situations. However, I found that women also tend to ignore their instincts more than men. Though not trusting your instincts isn't particularly gender-specific. It's more a matter of what rationalizations one can come up with. 
I know someone who went to a job interview, and during the interview, her instincts told her not to trust the person who was giving the interview. However, what came out of his mouth was positive. The job sounded great, and everything he said was good. But her instincts told her otherwise. She decided to ignore her instincts and rationalize away what she felt. In other words, she ignored the years of trust that she put into her instinct and instead created a new belief that would support her getting along with this person and landing a decent job. Her instinct, which when followed, served her well every time. But this time, she ignored it. She ignored it because she wanted the job so bad. Well, after several phone calls, her future employer was getting stranger and stranger. He kept delaying appointments and would promise to call her back, but never did. And the more she talked with him, the more she started to realize that her instincts were right all along. Eventually, his calls got stranger, and he just seemed to only know how to make excuses. She cut him loose, and he never called back. I asked her, how often are your instincts right? She said, almost always. I then asked, why didn't you trust in them now? She said, because I wanted this job. The answer really didn't make sense. I mean, if the person she was going to work for was going to be her immediate supervisor, but she got a bad feeling about him, why would she want to work for him? This is an important point that I want to make in this episode because it is what many of us, including myself, can fall victim to. And it's this. Just because you hope something is good doesn't mean your instinct is wrong. In other words, don't let hope override that inner voice. Hope is one of those words that can lift us up and out of our sadness or cause us to ignore our senses and move forward into something that isn't good for us. This is what happens in relationships that start falling apart. There's hope that things will change, yet Day after day, there's no change in sight. Your instincts kick in and you know that things aren't good, but you come up with rationalizations and turn despair into hope. She said she would change, or he promised me he would never hit me again. Or any of the thoughts that you've had when you sense a relationship is starting to disintegrate. Your instincts tell you one thing, but your desire for things to be better cause you to wait it out. I did an episode on infidelity a while back. One of the things I emphasized most was using your instinct. What does that inner voice say? Your subconscious mind picks up all the clues it needs to assess a situation. It works faster and smarter than you could ever imagine, and it will present you with the answer. What usually happens when you have one person in a couple that's cheating is that signals will start to appear. One thing is a little different, but you can't quite put your finger on it. That one thing isn't enough to suspect anything, perhaps, but something else is a little different, too. But you still might not want to visit the idea that they're cheating or doing something without your knowledge or consent. It's these little signals that your instinct is presenting to you, and you can either face them or deny them. My thought is to address them specifically and work it out. After all, if you're in a healthy relationship, you'll be able to communicate openly and freely without a fear of backlash anyway. Instincts tell a story, and it's very helpful to listen to that story. It doesn't mean you automatically believe everything you feel, but the message you are getting from within is prompting you to learn more about the situation. If you choose to learn more, 
You're following your instinct. If you choose to deny, you're relying on hope. My point is, when the instinct kicks in, there's a reason it's happening. Rationalizing it away will only delay the inevitable, which is the fact that you will have to address it eventually. Don't rational lies, because sometimes your rationalizations really are a way to rationally lie to yourself. You do want to address what your instincts are telling you. Go inward and ask yourself, why am I getting this feeling? And listen to the very first answer that comes up. That's the answer that comes before you can consciously think about a different answer. Does that make sense? Remember that the subconscious mind works faster than you can consciously think. It's also the smartest part of you that knows how you operate and what keeps you safe. So you might want to listen. Some people call this their higher self, giving them the answers. It doesn't matter if you believe it's your subconscious mind or angels or whatever. It's still a message that should be paid attention to. There's a reason it's there. Instinct is how you know there's a message. Instinct is a message. Those feelings you get when something doesn't seem right or something seems very right, it can work both ways. And I'm not just talking about relationships either. It can be situations too. Whenever I'm on the road, I notice traffic patterns. My instincts kick in about certain drivers on the road and I steer clear of them when that happens. Maybe it's the way they changed lanes or maybe it's something entirely different, but I stay aware of their presence. That doesn't mean they run me off the road every time because perhaps by me staying clear of them, they never get a chance to. But it does mean I am learning to trust my instincts more and more. Instincts, that inner voice, those feelings all have a purpose. And always, that purpose benefits you. Always. So let's finish this segment by talking about how you can start to listen to that inner voice and know which direction to take when faced with a decision. Let's learn which voice is instinct and which is so-called reason. Instincts kick in when there's a frame of reference from which to draw. That frame of reference is your wealth of experience living on this planet. All of your successes and failures all your great relationships and awful ones, and all the situations that taught you something new. Each moment throughout your life when you had a decision to make, you created a new reference for your instincts to refer to. The more often you got the results you wanted, the more your subconscious mind became inclined to go in that same direction the next time it was faced with a similar situation. That makes sense, right? The more times you were right about something, the more being right about that something became instinctual. Along the same lines, the more you were wrong about something, the more being wrong about that something became instinctual. These experiences in life wrote the background programs of your mind. The more experiences you had, the more your autopilot kicks in and you know instinctively what to do. But how do you distinguish instinct from rationalization. It's a simple technique and it will work in your favor almost every time. I say almost because I can't claim to be all-knowing, but I use this technique myself and it seems to work every time. What I do when faced with a decision 
where I'm not sure of the outcome is ask myself the following. Will making this decision support the things that are most important to me? Or another way to word it is, will this decision align with what I want most in my life? Think about those two questions for a moment. In fact, think of a decision that you are considering making right now and ask yourself, will this decision align with what I want most in my life? It's a pretty loaded question, that's for sure, because what you want most in life is different for everyone. You might want your family to be happy. You might want good health. You might want a lot of money or a lot of free time or whatever it is. But imagine if you weighed every decision you made against one of those two questions. Do you think by doing that, that you would get one step closer to what you most want in life? Think of any decision. For example, I'll be moving soon. So let me ask myself the question right now. Will making this decision to move support the things that are most important to me. So if I move, I can be with loved ones. So that supports what's important to me. I'll also be in a warmer climate. So that's important. I will also have more conveniences. So that's true too. But there is a drawback. I will also be away from my immediate family. And I have to be honest with myself here now. Is my immediate family more important than my love life and everything else I want in life? Is it more important that I'd want to stay where I am and give up those other things? I'm almost afraid to admit it, but it's the truth. It is not more important. That doesn't mean I don't want to be near my family. It just means I will have to find another way to be with my immediate family. I just won't live near them. It's hard to come to truth like this because I want everyone in my life to live within a 20-mile radius so that I never have to face decisions like this. But the truth is, we each have our own lives and we need to migrate where our heart, career, and other things lead us. So now that I've asked myself that question and answered honestly, I'm going to go one further and ask, is there any way I can have both? In other words, can I live in another state and also see my family? My answer is that I can still see them on occasion. I'm thinking, well, just because I'm moving doesn't mean I can't visit more often. Also, I'll live closer than I did before, so my family might actually want to visit me sometime. Now, coming to terms with one path opens the door to more resources and possibilities. It's like, once you choose a path, your brain figures out more ways to make what's most important to you a reality. Before the decision, I wanted both. I wanted to be near my immediate family and be with other people I loved. But when I chose the path and stuck with it, new ideas that weren't there before came to fruition. And soon I realized I could simply visit my family more often. Now, what does this have to do with instinct? It's all about the feeling you get from answering the question. So have you thought of a decision that you need to make where it would be great if you could fully trust your instinct? If not, think of one now. Pause the recording if you have to. I want you to play this game to see how it alters or further supports the decision you are going to make. Even if you've already made a decision, play for a sec. Are you ready? All right. Will making this decision 
support the things that are most important to you. If you have a decision that involves going in one direction or another, just pick one and ask yourself that question. Will making this decision support the things that are most important to me? If the answer is no, then choose a different answer and weigh it against that question. That probably didn't make sense. For example, for me, I could say, All right, if I choose to stay here, will making this decision support the things that are most important to me? And then I could ask that same question again, choosing the other path. All right, if I choose to move, will making this decision support the things that are most important to me? Now, here's the instinct part. After you ask yourself that question, answer it in your mind and wait for a feeling. This is the crucial part of learning to trust your instincts. Just imagine your body is a lie detector because it really is to tell you the truth. Ask the question and wait for a feeling. Then ask the question again, choosing the other path, the other answer, and then wait for a feeling. I asked, if I stayed, would that decision support the things that are most important to me? For you, which decision feels more positive? Which one feels right? This is where you trust what comes up for you. The feeling you get is that instinct. It's that subconscious knowing of what you really want for yourself. If you're not used to checking in with yourself, it may be slightly difficult to access at first. But even if it's not a feeling, it could be a blink answer. You know what I mean, right? That blink moment where your subconscious just spits it out. Your subconscious mind knows what you want deep down inside. Even if you try to rationalize it away, it knows truth and it will speak it if you're ready to hear it. And that's all you need to do to start developing your instinct, at least mentally. I mean, your physical instinct might tell you when to run and hide during a gunfight, but your mental instincts will guide you down a path that has the highest intentions for you as a person. I know this sounds a little out there, but I truly believe it's all part of how our body works. And even if you believe that it goes beyond your body, that's actually better. Because if you do believe in a higher power guiding you, then you have all the more reason to trust that instinct, don't you? Instinct is your subconscious mind's way of telling you what to do. Believe it or not, you can think and access thoughts faster than you can, well, think. Your conscious thought process is slow and methodical. When you have to consciously think about doing something, you have to focus and systematically perform each step, one after the other. When you drive a car or ride a bike, your subconscious mind knows what to do, so it takes over. You don't really have to focus too much. You just know what to do. Most musicians would never be able to play consciously some very difficult pieces, but once they've memorized it, their subconscious mind jumps into action. That's why it's important to remember that your subconscious mind will work very fast and produce an answer before you even think about it. It's that blink moment when your subconscious mind tells you the answer before you get a chance to consciously rationalize it. Remember that your subconscious mind works so fast 
that it's very difficult to retrace the process of how you know something to be true. You don't even have to think to know something to be true. You just have to listen inwardly and trust your instincts. But even the conscious act of listening is already after you get the answer instinctively. It doesn't mean you'll always know the answer. It just means that when you feel it, when your instinct is telling you something, it's a good idea to stay open to what it's telling you. Your instincts exist to protect you in some way. It's important to remember that because sometimes you'll get that feeling and rationalize it away, thinking it couldn't be true just because you got bad vibes or something. When your instincts turn on, just be open that they are probably warning you about something. I didn't mention this before, but you can ask yourself, what are you trying to warn me about? When you get a feeling about something or someone, just ask that part of you, what are you warning me about? What do you want me to see here? And don't be surprised if you get an answer, or if you don't, stay aware and open to what you might not consciously detect. Remember, the truth is within you because you've had years to understand what's true for you. Just like you've had years to master walking, your subconscious mind has had years to learn what the truth is. Unless you've been severely abused, this instinct is a beacon for you. Now, it's possible due to severe trauma or abuse that your instinct is overprotecting you, causing you to be continuously hyper-aware in your environment, which is not uncommon for abuse survivors. But if this is you, continue to grow and heal within by strengthening your personal boundaries and honoring your values. As you grow and heal within, you strengthen that instinct muscle and become more trusting of yourself. Trusting yourself is really what it comes down to because the truth is inside you. But even if you've had no serious abuse or trauma in your life, it's still the same. Continue building your inner emotional core. Stand up for what you believe to be your truth and honor yourself whenever possible. Remember the questions. Will making this decision support the things that are most important to me? And will this decision align with what I want most in my life? When you ask these of yourself, you begin to connect to that deeper part of you, whatever you want to call that, that part of you that just seems to know what's best for you. Connecting with that part of you brings you closer to what's in your highest interest as a human being. I mean, something is running the body while you're here listening to this show. I mean, something is, right? All of those processes going on in the background that you don't even have to think about. You just assume they're all working fine all the time. Well, that's the part of you that knows what's best for you. And when you ask yourself, will this decision align with what I want most in my life? You are directing that question to the part of you that knows truth. Again, sorry if that's a little too out there for some of you, but I see it as a very practical process that's accessing a very normal yet very powerful part of ourselves. I'm learning to trust mine more and more, and so far, it seems to be guiding me in the right direction. The hardest part about trusting your instincts is believing that they are in your best interest. The logical, rational mind kicks in and starts picking apart what the subconscious mind already knows as truth, even when that truth is just a feeling. Stay open to going with your instincts. Start off small and just see what happens. Remember, instinct activates before conscious thought does. So if you find yourself 
thinking about a decision instead of feeling it, you might have missed that blink moment. It just takes some practice. I call it gaining rapport with your unconscious mind. Imagine that. You open the path of communication between conscious and unconscious thought, giving you all the answers or feelings you ever need. Well, maybe not all the answers, but at least some guidance on your decisions. So as I was sitting in my truck at the rest stop, this guy went on and on, and I got a bad feeling. Not the kind of feeling you get when you feel like you're in danger, but the kind that you get when you think you're getting scammed. I felt it from the moment I saw him staring at me as he was driving closer. I felt it. I don't know what that feeling meant, but I should have driven off right away. Here I was listening to him tell me his incredibly elaborate story as if he had recited the same word to so many people so many other times. So I found myself in a dilemma. Do I believe him? What if he is telling the truth and he really needs gas or help or money or whatever? My instincts were fighting with my morals and compassion. It was causing me to become confused and therefore putting me in a trance-like state, praying for an escape route. An escape route is what you hope appears when you are in a state of confusion. His story was confusing and was getting worse as it went on. He kept jumping from thing to thing with new plot lines and subplots. Now, in the past, I would have continued to listen out of politeness. The problem is when you do that with someone who is intentionally trying to talk and talk without interruption, you will do anything to get them to stop talking, including give them money. And that's what my instinct was telling me. If I let him keep talking out of politeness, it would lead to him asking for money. And by that point, I'd want him to leave me alone, so I might have actually done it. He would have had me in a trance, confusing me, and the escape route that he offered to me would have been him asking for money, which was something that didn't confuse me at all. This is what can and does happen a lot. Your confusion causes fear, and the person doing it to you knows that you want to end that fear, so he or she gives you a way out. It's like they're saying, if you give me money, I'll shut up and go away. Again, I don't know if he knew he was doing this, but I do believe he figured out how to beg in a very influential manner. My instincts made me feel that this conversation was going to go in that direction. He had the reins and was controlling the whole thing, and I was just along for the ride, getting ready to part with my money. But I decided to do something I had not done before when I'm in this type of situation. I decided to listen to my instincts. And as soon as I did that, I immediately felt my power come back to me. And as he kept talking, I attempted to interrupt him and I asked him, Do you have a gas can? But he didn't hear me and he kept talking. He was so used to controlling the conversation, how could he hear me? I spoke louder this time. Do you have a gas can? And he stopped talking. He looked surprised as if I was messing up his sales pitch. He said, uh, no. His head arched back a bit, and then he shrugged his shoulders and looked away, as if to say, fine, whatever, and walked back to his car. I backed my truck out and left the rest stop. And for the next 30 minutes, I kept replaying that scenario. My first thought was, 
where did that come from? What made me say that? What's really interesting is that I didn't even smell the alcohol consciously until after I said those words. I decided to trust my instincts and those words just came out of my mouth. It felt like I didn't even have conscious control of what I was saying. But in the end, what was said was exactly what ended the one-sided conversation and allowed me to leave without getting scammed. I was still surprised by what happened. I mean, I know our instincts can be trusted, but it's almost like mine took over when I decided to trust in them fully. After a few more minutes of driving, I was trying to figure out what actually made me believe he was trying to scam me. I mean, everything he was saying could have been truth, but when I consciously thought about it after the fact, I found many holes in his story. I found it very odd that instead of going to the next exit like he said he had to, he decided to pull into a rest stop to find someone to talk to about his problem. I mean, if he really was intending to go to the gas station at the next exit, why wouldn't he just go there directly instead of wasting more gas by pulling into a rest stop? Also, he said he just talked to a state trooper. How could I be more helpful than a state trooper at this point? Another thing was that he really did smell of alcohol. And if he was talking to a state trooper, I don't think he'd be driving. There were more things that didn't add up that helped me confirm that my instincts were correct. There was still a battle inside of me, however. My compassion still played a part in that battle because I truly would help someone in need. When I was listening to him, I was starting to sink into his story with my compassion. That was until I decided instead to go with my instincts. The fact that I was able to come up with what I said without even thinking showed me that I intuitively knew all along exactly what was going on. It wasn't easy because how can we ever really know who needs help and who doesn't? But when I picked it apart later, I realized that maybe my instinct wasn't just guessing. Maybe our instincts know exactly what they're doing. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Keep up with the show by heading over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and sign up for your weekly personal growth message. You can also write to me anytime by clicking on the contact button at the website. I want to thank the listeners who are using the Amazon link to support the show. You have no idea how much this helps. It's a, a big help. Thank you. So be sure to shop at Amazon using the link theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash Amazon. If you find this show valuable to you, just say thank you by using the Amazon link before you make your next purchase from them. And while you're there, look for my book, Clear the Path to Happiness. You are all making a difference, and it's going towards a good cause. You. If I didn't call your name in this episode, just know that I appreciate you and thank you for being there for me, listening, learning, and growing. There's so much more to talk about when it comes to trusting your instinct. I know what some of you are thinking. Every time I trust my instinct, I'm wrong. <laughs> well, if that's you, remember that it might not be your instinct that's wrong, but your conscious thought process that hides the message your subconscious mind is trying to send to you. 
And if you still believe your instinct is wrong, then here's what I want you to do. Honor yourself. Honor the core of who you are. You're an incredible person. If you think your instincts aren't that great, like I did for the longest time, it's probably because you've made some mistakes in the past and you have a little trouble trusting yourself. Honor your personal boundaries. That's the first step to building self-esteem and rebuilding your self-worth. From there, your instinct muscle will strengthen and you'll find truth within. Step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. When you do this, you'll discover what I already know to be true about you. That you are amazing. Amazing.